So welcome to Two Crees in a Pod. We are very excited for this episode. Uh, we are joined by Preston Totinawasis, who is coming to us from Saskatchewan in Treaty 6 territory. I just want to give Preston the opportunity to uh, introduce himself um, in whatever way he would like to for our listeners. Hey everyone. Um, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So my name is Preston Totinoasis. Um, <clears throat> I think most people know me by Preston Fleming. I'm in the process of reclaiming my last name. So like Terry said, I'm from Saskatchewan Treaty 6 territory. I live in the Ronge. Uh, I grew up in Stanley Mission, otherwise known as Amachuispimowin. Um, I was born in Yellowknife. Long story. <laughs> But I ended up back in <clears throat> where my family's from, which is Saskatchewan. So I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah. Thank you. I think that the first time, just to give our, our listeners a little bit of history of how I know Preston, I met him a long time ago, actually. And I don't even, we played together in a volleyball tournament in my community of Sad Lake. And I have no idea how we ended up on the same team because we weren't even, I don't, I don't even know how that happened. Uh, but he is a deadly volleyball player as well. Um, and so, yeah, we had, we kind of became Facebook friends after that and have stayed in contact and, and I've been following your journey as well. And, and that's why, you know, we wanted to invite you, um, onto this podcast to share with us your own story. And, um, you know, we, you had shared with Amber and I before that you came out, uh, about five years ago and, and maybe you want to share mm -hmm. with us, you know, uh, your own story or the challenges with coming out as a two-spirit person? Yeah, for sure. So, um, a little backstory again with Terry. So we were in Saddle Lake. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was playing volleyball with uh, Desai Walking Bear. He had asked um, myself and Alana to join him in this volleyball tournament, and we linked up with Terry's team with, uh, I think Ben was coordinating it. Anyways, I think we took down second. <laughs> we uh the refs uh beat us <laughs> so <clears throat> so i'm 29 years old uh i came out when i was 24 so five years ago and you know growing up i had no there was no representation in the community i grew up in and anytime um there was a narrative about two-spirit people or gay people or anyone in the community, it was always like negative and it was a joke and they were always um, just spoken down about. So, you know, that was very challenging. I was at a point in my life, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to take this to my grave. And looking back, like it can make me cry right now because it is very sad and I'm very proud of who I am today. But it's taken a long time to get here. And um, there's a lot of challenges that people aren't aware of, I think. And, you know, so looking back on my journey, I'm able to reflect now, now that I'm in a better place, I can reflect on some of those things without such um, anger and, you know, hurt. So I came out at the age of 24. Um, and a big reason for that, like, 
like I said, was representation, but it was also, I needed to be on my own. I had to be able to establish independence on my own um, in order for me to make sure I was safe. If I came out, I wasn't going to lose anything and I could um, take care of myself. That's not to say, you know, I'm just talking necessities of life, like shelter, food, I could take care of myself. Um, there was also safety um, relationships that you can lose, and that was very scary. So um, I had come out first to one of my friends, um, and she was all she was very supportive. She was like, "Oh, like who cares?" <laughs> like, and I needed that, and you know, but it's so scary. You know, you feel like you're going to lose everything you know, everything you love, all your support systems are going to be gone. And for some people, that is true. And I, I was very fortunate that. That wasn't my case. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm rambling right now, but, you know, it had a lot of challenges. You know, three months before I came out, I told myself that I was going to take it to the grave and something had changed. Um, and I can't recall exactly what it was, but I just, I hit a point in my life where it was either... <clears throat> And I feel like I should have gave a, a content warning or, you know, I might be talking about suicide or sexual assault. But I came to a point in my life where it was either you're going to be depressed and not be able to walk in your truth or walk into the light, you know. And it took me a long time to get there, you know, 24 years. I missed a lot of that developmental stuff that, are everyone deserves, you know, and I didn't have that. So I had to learn that in my twenties and that was very challenging. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have, my brother is two spirit and uh, he came out when he was, I believe he would have been 18 um, at that time. And, you know, I remember I remember what that was like for our family, you know, and, and really trying to nurture him in that process and how difficult it was for him to come out to our family and to all of us. And, you know, my heart, you know, I feel it when you, when you talk about this, because I think that we have so many people within our own communities who are struggling with this, right? And who are need to hear these things so that they know that they are not alone and that they have you know the strength of of others yeah. like people like you who you know chose the light you know chose to walk towards that light rather than taking their life mm -hmm. rather than living you know in depression and it's yep. it's so important so thank you for sharing that mm -hmm. um one of the things, and maybe this might be helpful for our listeners, because I know that we have a number of listeners with, with different backgrounds, is to talk about, we always get, I always get the question too of, of asking, um, we were just talking about this in a meeting, what is, what does Two-Spirit mean? You know, and so I'll, I'll pose that question to mm -hmm. you, Preston, and, and what does that mean to you? <clears throat> And I really like the, that question, like what it is to me, because 
whenever you ask a two-spirit person, they're going to have something different, and it's a very personal experience. Um, so two-spirit, the term two-spirit was um, coined at a conference in, I believe it was 1990 in Winnipeg, <clears throat> and it was because Indigenous people wanted to have that distinguished um, and separate position in, not to say that we weren't, you know, part of that community, but they wanted, you know, they understood that we had separate roles in our communities. Um, so for me, um, I, I'm Cree, Lakota, and Dene, and I think that's why I have so much conflict inside. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, so I grew up following Lakota, um, teachings and from my understanding and the term that we have used is winkti or uh it translates to um oh sorry it's escaping me to be as a woman or to to have two souls there's there's two different variants and they mean two different things but they're the same thing um so two spirit um Sorry, I need to back up a little before I get into this. And I was sharing this earlier that I, I, I really want to make sure people can understand the identity aspect because I think a lot of people misinterpret two-spirit with just being gay or just being um, trans or being non-binary or, you know. So I want to talk. There's four things that can make, well, that make up who we are. Um, so there's gender identity. And gender identity is, um, when you look in the mirror, it's how you see yourself. So that's your identity, how you see yourself. Then there's gender expression. And that's how you um, demonstrate your gender. That's how you dress. That's how you behave. Um, <clears throat> so there's feminine, masculine, androgynous, you know. And it's a scale, right? We all slide on these scales. We're never just one. Mm -hmm. And then there's biological sex. So most people know female, male, uh, intersex. So that's based on like organs, hormones, chromosomes, all of that fun stuff. And then there's orientation. So hetero, um, homosexual, bisexual, and everything in between. So two-spirit identity for me, it encompasses all of those things but it's also your role in the community and your role in your culture, your role in your ceremonies. And so it's not just about being, uh, being indigenous and being gay for me. It's, <clears throat> um, it's a community role and, you know, it's, it's a very sacred role. And I think colonization has really removed us from those roles, or, you know, I shouldn't say that because they didn't remove us from those roles. They removed those roles away from our people. They took that, that culture and they said no. Um, and traditionally, two-spirit people were um, honored and they were, they were sacred and they had very important roles in our communities from, you know, you could be a hunter, you could be... Um, crafting and beating they were negotiators they were they were 
the in-between that understood both perspectives. And they played very crucial roles. Um, in Lakota, um, traditionally, they would have Winkti names. And those were Indian names given by Two-Spirit people. And they were very special. Um, Sitting Bull had one. Um, Crazy Horse. And they were given to people. And those people would not share those names with people. It was very secretive. And it was an honor to get one from a two-spirit person. I'm going to use two-spirit, so I'm not confusing everyone instead of uh, Winky. Um, but, you know, so these are some of the teachings that were taken away. Two-spirit people on contact um, were seen very negatively. Um, but I think it's because they've seen the, the roles we had in communities and they've seen our importance. So in order to remove and start to break down culture, you've got to start removing those roles from your, the culture, right? So if you look back in some, in some of the readings I've done, they had taken medicine people away and two-spirit people, and they threw them in a same asylums, and they would deem them not mentally sane mm-hmm. because of the roles they had in community, right? So you remove those roles the people are more easily uh, I don't know I don't, I don't want to use the wrong term but they're more easily um, misled <clears throat> because those people were the leaders right not to say there was no other leaders but they removed that foundation from the people and we were part of that foundation right mm-hmm. um, sorry I'm getting I'm going way off again but um, I just, it's very, talking about two-spirit is very challenging because it's not a monolith and every culture has different teachings. Um, you know, some might have held two-spirit people in sacred roles and some, <clears throat> some might not have. And but I think the commonality amongst everyone was we were respected and we had a place in our community. So even if we weren't sacred, and I put that in quotation marks, but we had a place in our community and we were safe yes. and we were part of that community regardless of the role. And I think that is something we need to take back in our, in our circles. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, you said a couple of things that uh, that really impacted me, and, and one of them was about how two spirit folks historically, because I've had teachings here and there uh, throughout my my life, and I remember my auntie telling this story that her mother uh, told her, and it was uh, in regards to two spirit folks in the community and how. Um, Two-spirit folks historically could go anywhere. They could go Mm -hmm. anywhere. Mm -hmm. That they did not, there was no boundaries about where two-spirit folks could or could not go. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you talked about with that, um, the roles being removed or, or colonialism impacting or disrupting those roles was very intentional. Because they did see the power 
in uh, European settlers did see the power in two-spirit folks' roles. And like you said, what better way to disrupt, dismantle, to, um, you know, assimilate folks than to take away its most powerful roles in a community, much like taking away language, right? Mm-hmm. We take away language, folks can't speak their language anymore. What what a perfect, uh, you know, um, formula to to disrupt an entire community. And so I, I remember hearing that. I remember hearing that that uh, back in the day that uh, that Two-Spirit folks could move anywhere, that there was no limits to that. And so I, I, I love that. And I want to remind folks of that. Um, now, if you don't mind, I would love to hear more because one of the things that we oftentimes will do at the university and, and you know, throughout, uh, you know, this Western world is we've talked about uh, pronouns and the importance of pronouns and the importance of using pronouns. And so if you would like to provide some insight, uh, your understanding, uh, your knowledge about the importance of pronouns and more specifically, more specifically in relation to like in our communities, because I don't know if our communities have caught up to speed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I worry about that because I have folks in my life who um, who identify as two-spirit or LGBTQ, two, like 2S queer folk. And, and I don't know if our communities have completely gotten there yet, Preston. And so if you don't mind educating us on the importance of pronouns uh, and again, your knowledge. Yeah. So <clears throat> pronouns can be, um, again, it's, it's personal and some people, um, they really, uh, uh, this one's tricky for me to talk about because I have different views on this, but because when we talk about language, uh, I know Cree language, a lot of the terms we use are gender neutral. Mm-hmm. So I always remind people, you know, everything you know about gender, throw it away because it's wrong. It's mm-hmm. straight up wrong. Unless you want to follow Western um, teachings. Like that's just not who we are. Uh, specifically Lakota I think it's tall, like children are the age of five. They're just known as children. It's not girl. It's not boys. It's a child, right? So um, I was just reading a study about the importance of pronouns, specifically for our trans kin, um, and how a simple act of the right pronouns and respecting their, their, their name that they're choosing it um, significantly um, alleviates some of that, the risk to um, mental mental health issues or mental health um, disorders and, you know, lowers the risk of suicide because you're respecting them. And it's such a simple act, you know. And, I, you know, you were right that our, we're trying to catch up. We're always trying to catch up. And that's fair, you know, I, like I'm always teaching my mom stuff and my mom, sometimes she's sending me stuff and I'm like, mom, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> but so I just lost my train of thought. Um, genders and pronouns are, okay, I know what I was going to say. So when people 
people always ask me, like, they tiptoe around it like it's scary, you know, and it's it's not scary. And I want to tell people, you know, if you're if you're wanting to be respectful and you feel like you're tiptoeing around a conversation, there's no harm in asking, what are your preferred pronouns? You know, and we're all human. We make mistakes. Um, a lot of people like to twist this narrative that we're too sensitive and, you know, you better call me by my pronoun or I'm going to jump down your throat. Well, no, especially if you're asking me because people make mistakes, but it's how you do it, right? Because there's microaggressions that our community is very well versed in. And I'm sorry to say that, but they are because they will dismiss someone's pronouns or dismiss their name and say, well, this is how I know them. Well, that's not respectful and you're not contributing to our collective growth as a community, right? Um, so pronouns are really important. And again, it's so easy. If you feel afraid, ask. And don't be scared to ask. I know it might feel a little uncomfortable, but don't be scared to ask because if it if it means something to that person, they won't be afraid to share that with you. And they will probably be happy and feel even more safe that you're providing them that. That was a really good question. Thank you. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm so thankful, Preston, that you talked about the whole like construct of gender being a facade in many of our languages anyway. Um, yeah. and, and I'm so thankful that you said that. Um, my dad, who's a residential school survivor, um, tells stories about how he was strapped for messing up he and she while in residential school mm-hmm. um, because we don't have that in our language. And so my dad will call me and he'll ask me how his granddaughters are and he'll say, well, how is he? And I never correct him. It's that doesn't yeah. matter. It, that's his mm-hmm. grandchild. Right. And so yeah. it is important. I also think that it's important too about uh, for some of the folks that I know that it's, that it is important. It is important for, for folks to be mindful of, yeah. of pronouns. And, and so again, we use that a lot in our Western world. And so it's, it's important that while we're walking in all these different worlds, uh, <laughs> that we, that we try to manage all this. And so I really appreciate that Preston. I, I, I do. Um, the other question, um, that I had, we talked about, uh, you know, coming out in gender identity and pronouns and so on. What are some of the things that you would and this this question's coming from some past research I did with a, I did some research with uh, Treaty Six youth, and it was in regards to um, the the project the research project was talking to on reserve Treaty Six youth in relation to health. We talked about sexual, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical health, and the youth in these schools. And this was about six years ago. We're speaking a language that I wasn't speaking when I was a kid. I'm 40. And we definitely were not talking about, we were not talking about sex. We were not talking about, well, we weren't talking about sex in healthy ways. Um, not at all. Uh, and we were not, you know, the boys in my age group were not talking about, uh, you know, feminine paper, like pads and tampons. And these youth were talking about this in a way where I was like, holy shit. Y'all are so crazy far ahead than we were in my generation. The other thing that they talked a lot about was around gender um, and two-spirit. And again, the language they were using was brilliant. And so 
when I talked to those youth, we had conversations around what do we need to do as a community to support folks? And so my question to you, Preston, is what does the community need to do? What is our responsibility? Because oftentimes we put the responsibility onto spirit folks, on racialized folks, on young folks. We put the responsibility on folks to, you know, to constantly be doing the work. What does the community need to do to wrap itself around, to embrace, to, uh, you know, work on? What do we need to do to ensure that we are supporting our two-spirit youth, adults, elders, Mm -hmm. to ensure that they are never, you know, coming to this place of, you know, suicidal ideations. I know we can't prevent all of these things. I recognize that. But I also want us to know what we can do to support in a much more deliberate, intentional way. Oh, (laughs) that's that's heavy, but it's very important. And again, I think you're going to get a different answer from everyone. For me, part of my healing, the biggest help and the biggest support has been my culture and which is very hard being two-spirit because every time I go to ceremony I have to think and protect myself I have to make sure or hope that the person conducting the ceremony is respectful of my identity and then outside of ceremony I have to feel that way from society So it's a double-edged sword that I'm getting everywhere, that all of our community is getting, and it's very challenging. One of the things I I really, I posted about this on Instagram yesterday, and it was that, you know, if you don't support two-spirit and trans people, not only am I not interested in having those relationships, but it's honestly such a loss because we have so much to give the community and we will fight to the nail for the community. Mm -hmm. Every protest and every um, rally, Mm -hmm. I guarantee there has been a two-spirit person at that table. So we're showing up for everyone. So we need people to show up for us. And that can be having those conversations with elders where you know that they're, maybe they're uncomfortable with it and that's okay. But start having those conversations with them for us so we don't have to feel unsafe in spaces where, honestly, that's life or death for some people. Ceremony helps people so much. And if I don't feel safe going there, where else can I go? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd really, I would love to see society step up for two-spirit folk, trans, especially trans folk, mm-hmm. because Oh, it breaks my heart. Like I carry so much privilege, even though I go through so much, but trans people, like, I just, I love them so much. They are the strong ones. They are the ones needed in our communities and they have it the worst. Like that's not even, that's not even debatable. And I would, Oh, I'm sorry, you guys. I'm just... That's okay. Take your time. Because this, this sits close to my heart. Because um, part of coming out, well, for my story, was um, I carried a lot of internalized homophobia and transphobia. 
And whenever I've seen someone that was feminine or that wore makeup or anything, I, I just, I distanced myself so far from them. And it's because there was a reflection of that in me and I couldn't be around it because it hurt. And I feel so bad that I carried that and I, I've dealt with that now, but I acknowledge even the harm at that point that even two spirit people can be putting that pain on our own community. But, um, we need people to stand up. You know, it's, it's not enough to follow, um, a two spirit person. It's not enough to, oh, I'm friends with or, oh, I've done this with them. Where are you when your friends are talking about us? Are you correcting that? Because, you know, unchecked attitudes and bias turn into, can turn into unchecked behaviors and violence. And that's what it turns into. And we need our Indigenous people, our brothers, especially our brothers, to stand up. Because, you know, cisgendered men, oh, <laughs> <clears throat> Don't get me started. <laughs> but, preach, Preston, preach. <laughs> they, I posted about this last night too, that, you know, like I said, it's not enough to just follow us and say, oh, I care. Mm -hmm. That's BS. That is BS. That's not inclusion. That's not anything um, remarkable. But yet our, some of these people are put given so much praise i'm an ally well where are you for us other than oh i support them and i like their post and i share what they say well you know it's one of those things that's kind of like violence you don't know what happens behind closed doors and so many people will say they're an ally and then behind closed doors they don't correct their friends behaviors They'll watch a two-spirit person get um, harassed on the street, mm -hmm. you know. And I want to make one thing, I want to bring one thing up because I hear this a lot where it's like, I support gay people, but don't hit on me, don't do this, don't do that, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, first of all, don't flatter yourself. <laughs> but second of all, why do you not like being treated like how you treat women? Mm -hmm. And that's it. And they don't, they don't like to be faced with that. And I feel like men, cisgendered men are, you know, they're very important in our community and I'm not trying to shame them. I'm not, we all have roles and we're all equal, you know, but there's no progress if you're not going to step up for us the same way you step up for your partners, the same way you step up for your straight friends. You should be stepping up for your trans friends and your two-spirit friends, um, your lesbian friends, your queer friends. Like, stand up for us and show up for us. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I feel like you triggered a, a sesh. <laughs> well, uh, now's the time that we talk about exes, Preston. Oh, no. Here we go. Let's go, Preston. No, and I and I appreciate this. I really appreciate this conversation, and I appreciate it for one, primarily one reason. 
and a few others, but I'll talk, talk about this one. That what you talked about, that performative allyship is mm-hmm. super dangerous. It's super dangerous because what we oftentimes see, and I've called some of our cis men out about how they will create platforms uh, where, you know, there's this, um, you know, this rhetoric or this narrative or this language where it's like, I support this, 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 and this, but will go unchecked in the community when ridiculing, excluding two-spirit folk, uh, women, children, etc. And um, and it's so important for us to call out that performative allyship because just because we like state our social location doesn't take away the privilege that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. So I can sit here and say I'm a heterosexual, female-identifying, Indigenous woman, and because I state that does not take away any of the privilege that comes along with those things. And so I think it's super important for us to to be mindful of that performative allyship and to call it out. And it is our responsibility to call out performative allyship, you know, and performative allyship being what we do for social capital, sometimes for monetary profit, et cetera, et cetera. And so thank you for bringing that up, Preston, because we do have to call that out and we have to call it in. We have to say, hey, man, no, 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 it's not going to happen here. Cut it off, you know? Um, Yeah. So thank you for that, Preston. So I wanted to, I have a request and it came in and maybe it's a request, a question. I don't know. But um, so I, uh, Preston writes poems. I don't know if you have any on that right now. Um, And if you do, if if you would be willing. And I just, I love reading them. Uh, They're raw. They are amazing and i don't know if you want to share with our listeners any of the any poem that may stick out to you um that you want to share okay <laughs> um, <laughs> put you on the spot <laughs> <laughs> well you know it, it's something important also like <clears throat> i think until i was able to come out and be myself a lot of those forms of like creative outlets, like I bead, I, I've made star blankets. I, well, star blanket, <laughs> don't want to sound too deadly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I bead and I, I pick medicines and I love writing mm-hmm. because writing helps me heal mm-hmm. and it helps me process emotion in the moment. Every poem I've ever posted has been written within like a half an hour before I posted it. And it's triggered by something, you know, I wrote a poem a couple weeks ago and it's something about snowmobile exhaust and moose hide, the smell of smoked moose hide. And all I was doing is I went outside and I was heading to work and I smelled snowmobile exhaust and I was like, Oh my God. Like it took me back to my childhood. Like Mm -hmm. I was behind a skidoo on a slide and I just, felt this pull that I needed to write about it. And that's how poetry works for me. Um, I will pull up my, my Instagram and I apologize because my service is so slow because I'm not on Wi-Fi. I will, I'll read this one. So this one I titled, uh, 
she he she or he provides healing medicine for himself or herself and it goes like this i have defaulted back to the comfort of my wounds time and time again old behaviors and reactions that served me while coping heavy sentiments life that i owed myself healing brought my spirit reconciliation reconciliation brought my spirit forgiveness i apologize to those i've hurt while coping healing is my redemption i am worthy i love that one i read that one too it's so beautiful and i think that you know you talked about something really important earlier when amber asked the question you know what it, what do we what can our communities do and you talked about culture and you know and and returning back to culture and ceremony and i think that it's so important that we are creating opportunities for ceremony um, and two spirit ceremonies, you know, I was able and fortunate enough to attend my first one of quite a few years back at the University of Blue Quills, and I had never attended one before. And it was just amazing. And again, like that, 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 as you as I sat and I witnessed it all, it was again, the two spirit folks who were just in all spaces, on both sides, you know, and the mm -hmm. teachings that were shared um were very beautiful you know and and we did have a ceremony at McEwen last march as well before covid and again and, and and created that space and i think that that's really important for our communities is you know like anything you know when we even talk about pronouns and and the fear of of messing up right like i think there's there's a fear of going into ceremony and and messing up there's a fear of you know we have to we have to really push through some of those fears and, and start asking some questions so that we can move forward in more meaningful ways. So I appreciate that. Um, and as we wrap up, I just want to open it up to you, Preston, if there is anything that you would love to share um, as we wrap up with our listeners. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> Thank you for that. And I hope one day I can attend ceremony with you both. Um, you both have provided me a lot of healing too. And those safe places, um, I wanted to share with the listeners, you know, uh, I had messaged Terry back in November that I was driving from uh, Lloyd to North Balford. I was coming back to Saskatchewan from Alberta from seeing an ex. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but this you guys did an episode on love indigenous love and man i i was falling on the road and i was just like wow so when i got home i messaged terry and i i thanked her for everything that you both are doing and i manifested coming on here because i appreciated it so i appreciated what you guys were doing so much because we need more people podcasting, Indigenous people mm -hmm. podcasting. And, oh, I can just go on and on with you too, because I, I love talking with you both. But if there's one thing I can um, share is, you know, coming out is very liberating and it's very powerful. And I felt free, but that isn't the case for everyone. And I... 
you know, a lot of the time our coming out stories are celebrated as they should be. But that's a privilege that we were provided that safe place. Um, or at least we felt a little bit of safe place inside where we were able to share our truth. And not everyone has that. And I want anyone that's out there that isn't there yet to know it's okay. And you'll know when it's time. And know that there's light in your journey. Because it's scary. Um, and I want you to know that you're worthy. And you're loved and you're appreciated. And there's people out there that will support you. Um, but on your time. And when you think it's right, don't ever let people feel don't ever let people pressure you to come out because that's your safety and that's how you protect yourself. And that's something I really want to wanted to share. Um, yeah. Thank you. And I think that, you know, you talked about manifesting this and, you know, maybe you should, just, we do need more podcasters, indigenous podcasters, you know, so if Preston, maybe you should start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. I, I've I've thought about it for a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's just so. I know it's a lot of work, and you two are so busy, and you guys do so much, and like, I don't know how you both do it, but you do it, and you do it well, and um, I'm so grateful, and yeah, like. And shout out to Indigenous women. Mm-hmm. Y'all be, you have been holding it down for, for forever. And, you know, I don't think two spirits would be where we are today without a woman. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't. And I thank my mom. I thank all the matriarchs in my family. And I thank people like you both for what you guys do for your families and your communities and for providing safe places to people like myself mm-hmm. and giving us space. So thank you so much. And then ask him when. Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. They pushed us to this point, frustrations of a common man Manifest the destiny, preach and pledge the promised land I'm stuck between taking my journey, live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids, can't taste clean water A child born into a world, revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard, so we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors, anguish, lightning in our veins Hear it in a language when they are kissing for the rain I am product of people that persevere, persecution Paint me so creator sees me, if I go out shooting Experience our pain, when our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the woods, in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptation? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.